welcome to the All About Everest podcast, episode 17, David Sharp and the 2006 climbing season. This week's episode is about David Sharp and all of the controversy regarding leaving people behind on Mount Everest. Here we go. So before we get to this week's episode about David Sharp, I have the usual Everest updates and some housekeeping. The updates this week are going to be a little bit longer than normal just because it's summit week and so everybody is making that summit push. I thought it was going to be closer to next week, but apparently this is the week. So today and yesterday marks 26 years since the 1996 Everest disaster when eight people died between May 10th and May 11th. Blessed be their memory. There are a total of 316 permits issued for Mount Everest this year, but there will be way more summits than that because it doesn't count all of the Sherpa support that helps assist those clients. And they also reach the summit of Mount Everest. There will be a total of about 600 people who climb Mount Everest, most of them this week. So it is a little crowded, but not as crowded as in 2019. Cami Rita Sherpa summited on May 8th, making it his 26th time on Mount Everest and beating his previous record. He holds the record for the most summits. He summited Mount Everest with the rest of the rope fixing team. And then on May 9th, the first member summited Mount Everest, Pedro Queiroz from Portugal. Besides Cami Rita Sherpa, there are a lot of people breaking records this year. And a lot of it started on this first wave of summits. We have the first Salvadoran, Alpha Carina. And we also have Lucy Westlake, at, who at the age of 18 became the youngest American female to summit Mount Everest. Ronald Quintero became the first Honduran to summit Mount Everest. And Lakpa Sherpa broke her previous record of being the female with the most summits with her 10th summit achievement this season. Of some of the other teams that we've been following, Full Circle Everest has reached the top of Mount Everest. Eight of the 11 members reached the top. I don't know if that means that they split the group into two because a lot of the expeditions, they don't all travel together. Sometimes they'll do it on different days, different waves. So really, we may not even know till the end of the week. Some of the updates come to us when they reach Camp 4, others when they reach Camp 2, and some don't even update 
anything until they return to base camp. So that's just the tip of this season's summiting. We'll see what happens the rest of the week. And so next week's episode will be a full recap of everything that's happened so far this season. And before I forget, the only Ukrainian to get a permit this year for Mount Everest was Antonina Samolova from Ukraine. And she has also achieved reaching the summit this year. So congratulations so far to everyone that has reached the summit. Everything seems to be going extremely well so far. Tfu tfu, knock on wood. And we hope that the rest of the week is uneventful. We're finally back on track with new episodes every Wednesday. Yay! Hopefully nothing unexpected happens or crazy and weird things that prevent me from posting on Wednesday nights. The other thing is, is that there will be a website coming soon devoted only to Mount Everest and this podcast. Websites do take a little bit of time, so it might be a month or two before it's finally up. And a little shout out to my baby who turned six today. Happy birthday, Eli. And that's about it for the housekeeping issues and updates and on to this week's episode all about David Sharp and the 2006 Mount Everest season. Before we start talking about David Sharp, let's talk about summiting Mount Everest and the other 8,000 meter peaks without oxygen. It is very hard to achieve those summits without oxygen. Two of the biggest things that change or have changed mountaineering have been Sherpa support or support of any kind and using oxygen. Without those two things, the risk of death is much higher and the rate of achieving a summit is a lot less. When you climb without oxygen, there are a lot of risks. It puts you at a higher risk of getting altitude sickness. You get colder and you're much slower. One of the things that can occur is that when you don't use oxygen, you're at a higher risk for hallucinating, altitude sickness, hypothermia, and things like that. One of the best things to do in order to reach the summit of any 8,000 meter peak is to go fast. Go quick and fast, get to the top, and quickly come down. But if you don't have the advantage of oxygen, and Sherpa support, then it makes it so that you're slower. The slower you are, the less likely you are to make it because climbing any 
8,000 meter peak is extremely dangerous. When David Sharp headed for the summit of Mount Everest, he went without oxygen and without support. And without those two things, that may have been the biggest reason why he died. Um, in 2006, it was David Sharp's third climb on Mount Everest. And he chose to climb without a team. He was kind of doing it all on his own. And he wanted to reach the summit without O's. In the mountaineering world, there are a lot of purists out there that think that the only, it only counts if you don't use oxygen, that your summit really doesn't matter unless you don't have support, you don't have oxygen or anything like that. In fact, the first person to climb Mount Everest solo and also one of the first of two people to reach Mount Everest without supplemental oxygen was Reinhold Messner. And there are not a lot of people out there that have been able to successfully summit Mount Everest without supplemental O's and without support. David Sharp had attempted to summit Mount Everest in 2003 and in 2004 with a group of people. But in 2006, he decided to do it on his own. In 2003, he used oxygen. It's unclear if he used O's in 2004 or not. Um, I, I've heard both. So I don't know which one is correct because as usual, there's always conflicting information. So in 2006, he arranged a solo climb through Asian trekking. And he was climbing alone. He did not have any Sherpa support. He did not have any supplementary O's, which is always considered extremely risky. But he had a lot of experience because he had already been on Mount Everest twice. He had been on several other mountains beforehand. So it wasn't like he didn't know what he was doing. He definitely had the experience under his belt of summiting 8,000ers. During that same season, there were 13 other climbers that were attempting the summit independently, of which four of them also died attempting the summit that year. Many people tried to talk him out of climbing all on his own without O's and without support, but he wanted to climb at his own pace. He felt that possibly the reason why he wasn't able to achieve the summit on his previous two attempts was because he went with a group of people. He even had a friend that um, offered to give him a discount and 
to come with his expedition team, yet David Sharp declined the offer. He was adamant about doing it on his own without supplementary oxygen. Because David was on his own, some of the details are a little hazy and unclear. But apparently he started for the summit on May 13th. He may or may, ha may not have reached the summit on May 14th, but if he did, it was very late in the day. Um, and we all know that the turnaround time is early afternoon, usually not after 2 p.m., but if he did summit, it was well past that turnaround time. And so he was forced to bail back on the mountain at about 8,500 meters. And he chose the overhang where Green Boots Cave is. Green Boots is a climber that died in 1996 and became a landmark and a lot of people would stop at that cave and rest. It was kind of a midpoint. And so that's where David Sharp stopped for the night for shelter. And this is when things start getting a little, not even hazy anymore. Um, it's where the controversy starts. So nobody knew what was going on with David Sharp. He didn't have a radio. He didn't have other people with him. So nobody knew that possibly he needed any assistance. Um, he was apparently suffering from altitude sickness. The lack of oxygen was causing him to hallucinate and he was struggling with exhaustion. There were a lot of climbers that passed him. Some of them have backtracked on their stories and been like, oh, no, we didn't see him. Um, and there's other climbers, multiple climbers over the years that have said, hey, we stopped he was beyond help. We offered him oxygen. We offered him extra gear. But basically what happened is it hit the media and it kind of exploded because the world felt that David Sharp was just left there. And the thing is the world wasn't there. There weren't that many people on the mountain. Um, and what people don't realize is that when you are in that situation, and I, I never have been, but when you're in that situation, coming down from Mount Everest, sometimes if you do stop, you're not guaranteed that you'll make it either. And sometimes you do have to make that decision. Is it that person or is it going to be me? The other thing too is that if they're beyond help, if they're not mobile, if they aren't lucid, 
there isn't a lot that you can do at that point. And it's happened to previous people as well. Look at Yasuko Namba. The same thing. She was still alive, but she wasn't lucid. She wasn't mobile. And there was really nothing that could be done at that point. However, no one made a huge deal about it like they did with David Sharp. Maybe it was because it was 20 years difference. I don't know. Maybe it was because Sir Edmund Hillary kind of jumped on the bandwagon. And for whatever reason, he kind of attacked Mark Inglis. And Mark Inglis was the first double amputee to summit the highest mountain in the world. He was featured on, I can't remember what, what that show was with, um, oh, what's his name? I bring him up all the time. That's it. Russell Bryce. I have brought him up so many times. I don't know how I could forget that. And, um, the TV series was Everest Beyond the Limits. Uh, for whatever reason, Sir Edmund Hillary kind of attacked Mark. Well, I don't know why he attacked him specifically. Because again, there were multiple teams on the mountain while David Sharp was dying. The other thing too is that Mark is a lot more limited than regular climbers that are attempting Mount Everest because he's a double amputee and he was with a whole expedition. It wasn't just Mark, but it just kind of blew up. Um, you should watch the documentary dying for Everest. It's about this whole situation. And my whole thought is that if you have not been put in that situation, then you can't really comment on it. I know that it's kind of instilled in us. Don't leave anyone behind ever. But Everest is a whole different ball game. It really is about surviving. It's not just about reaching the summit. It's about reaching the summit staying alive, and being able to get back home. There are so many risks and factors when you are climbing Mount Everest that you don't have in everyday life. Besides the risks of frostbite, falling, avalanches, altitude sickness, and all of those other things, you sometimes just need to worry about yourself. And I know that this is controversial and I know that I will probably get some ugly emails about it because when I mentioned it previously, I got a couple nasty grams. But I think that people make that choice to stop and help or they don't. 
and how can you choose between yourself and someone else? I mean, that is probably one of the worst choices that a person could make. Do you help this person and possibly die because you're already exhausted? You're no longer at your physical peak. You're slowly dying because you're in the death zone and you can't breathe. You don't have energy and you just want to make it home. So how do you even make that decision? So I don't think that we can um, be upset with the people that left David Sharp there. The ones that we should be upset with are the ones that maybe didn't check in with him. But it was at a point eventually that he was beyond help. And if trying to help him, that would have put other people at risk. And if you're a team and you're climbing together, it's not just one person you're putting at risk. It's multiple people. So my question to you is, what would you do? Um, every time it's different. And again, without being there, we can't really say what we would do. Besides Sir Edmund's Hil Sir Edmund Hillary's very critical reaction to what happened with David Sharp, um, there were other public reactions. One of them was Linda Sharp, and hers was a lot different than Ed Hillary's. She basically said that she didn't blame any of the other climbers that were up there, and that it was their responsibility to save themselves first, not to save anybody else. And she understood the risks because this wasn't David's first rodeo. And um, Mountaineer David Watson, who was also on Everest that season but was on the north side, he also made a comment that things would have been different if people knew that David was in trouble. But because he chose to do this all on his own as a solo attempt without support, without a radio or anything like that, you know, things could have been completely different. But it's a personal choice. And that's the thing with Mount Everest. It's a personal choice to attempt the summit. And it's a personal choice of what you do when you get there. And that's basically what it comes down to. Even though David Sharp, David Sharp's body is still up on the mountain, um, it was moved the following year, so it's no longer on the main trail. And that's it for this week's episode. If you haven't already, you should watch the documentary Dying for Everest. It's really good, and it's about this whole controversy. And what I loved best about it was that it gave a lot of different perspectives, including those that attempted to help David Sharp and then those that were critical, like Ed Hillary, 
of the decisions that were made that season regarding David Sharp. Um, David was also featured for just a few seconds on the TV show Everest Beyond the Limit. Um, it was filmed during the 2016 or during the 2006 season and so he's shown for not very long just a few seconds um but he is in that season i believe it's the first season and everest beyond the limit it did feature mark inglis and that may have been what sparked the controversy I'm not sure next week episode is going to be a recap of everything that's happening this week on Mount Everest so it will be kind of long but I think it's going to be interesting there's a couple different things that haven't happened yet we don't know anything about the new route that is being explored this year or the people who are paragliding from the top of Mount Everest. We'll, we still need to know if the rest of Full Circle Everest team will attempt the summit. Or if it's just those eight. So don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment, listen, share, everything like that. It just helps us to be able to continue to do this podcast. I absolutely enjoy it. Thank you to everyone who listens every week. Um, I love that I have your support and that you love and listen to this podcast. So see you next week.